I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to the Brand is Female podcast. Every week, I speak with women changemakers and founders who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through their educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandiesfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female. This week, my guest is LA-based Allison Conrad, an entrepreneur and operator focused on consumer brands and e-com. With a BA from Duke University and an MBA from Stanford, she's run fashion and beauty brands as well as consulting and advising tech-enabled consumer companies. A couple years ago, Allison started wondering why there were not more solutions targeting hair aging, specifically hair turning gray. After conversations with her hairdresser, who is now her business partner, Allison launched Array, A-R-E-Y, which she trademarked as the wrinkle cream of hair care. In this episode, you'll hear about her fascinating journey launching her own brand. If you're interested in learning more about Array, visit ArrayGray.com. That's A-R-E-Y-G-R-E-Y. And yes, they do ship to Canada in addition to the U.S. Alison, it's such a pleasure having you on The Brand is Female today. Thank you for making time to speak with me. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited. And we're going to talk about your current brand, uh, which I, I'm excited to share uh, uh, with our listeners. But before we get into that, I'd like to start these conversations by asking guests to go back in time and kind of in, in memory, memory lane, down memory lane a little bit. And I'm curious to know, growing up, what did you envision you'd be doing as a career in later in life? And was it remotely connected to what you're actually doing now or something completely yeah. different? Oh my gosh, that's so fun to think about. Yeah, so I come from a family of doctors and scientists. So um, I actually grew up thinking I wanted to be an orthodontist. I had a lot of teeth work done as a child. So uh, that was sort of what I, I was working towards for a long time. But then um, I fell in love with art history uh, in college. And so I actually majored in art history and minored in economics. Um, I didn't take a single science class, much to my parents' sort of surprise. Uh, but my sister is a doctor, so she she kind of fulfilled their dreams for, for uh, a legacy going on. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I... I to be honest, I really didn't know where my path was going to go in college. I, I thought I, I interned at Sotheby's. So I thought maybe I would work in, you know, sort of the business side of art. Um, and then out of college, my first job was working for Martha Stewart. Um, so that was a a bit different, but something, you know, it was always sort of left brain, right brain. So a creative Mm. industry, but being sort of on the business side of, of things. So the path was, you know, definitely not linear. Um, but it, it, looking back, I think it, it makes a lot of sense when you can see in hindsight, you know, your, your career path. Well, and because I know what your current brand is about, there is an element of science and, you know, some, something even, even kind of connected to the medical field. So it's like, you've, you've almost come full full circle and (laughs) your your parents must be thrilled. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's actually really funny because um, when I was five, I actually pointed out to my mom that she had gray hair. And I was like, why didn't the wow. other moms not have gray hair, mom? And she was sort of devastated by this. And and then 
the next day went out and dyed her hair. And I'm such a precocious sort of obnoxious kid. Uh, and, and so <laughs> she, we, we think about that a lot now where she's like, this is so crazy that you're working on gray hair when you pointed it out to me as a child. Um, and it was a story. I it's when it all started about. at yeah. five years old. Yeah. And that she's involved in it <laughs> and my dad's involved in the, in the business. Yeah. So it, it was, it's pretty funny how things end up in life. Well, usually there's hints, right? When I, I love asking that question because even if it's something that's, you know, completely different and not at all connected to to business or whatever the entrepreneur is doing today, there's usually an anecdote. There's usually something that can connect the dots in terms of, you know, where that idea or that little seedling of an idea may have started I think, from. I think absolutely. I think a lot of, um, you know, sort of successes in life and things that happen are, it's so kismet. It's like things coming together mm-hmm. at the right moment with the right people. Um, and it, it is sort of a little bit magical. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been really mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. And we'll come back to, uh, to that magical element. So tell me a little bit because you're your business and it's called Array. And mm-hmm. I also want you to tell the story of the, the name. Uh, so mm-hmm. and, and for our listeners who speak French, yes. uh, the, there, there is a, a double meaning in there. Um, but and, and that's and that's fairly recent that you launched your own brand. So what was the kind of the first part of your career like? What did you end up uh, spending spending more time working on? Yeah, so I started in marketing uh, at Martha Stewart, as I mentioned. And uh, then I actually mo- moved to, to coach. I worked for uh, the corporate offices of coach in merchandising. And so that was a really good blend of looking at numbers. It was a very, you know, numbers-driven company. Mm-hmm. They, they call it sort of like the the Harvard of fashion. It's, it's, it's a very, you know, intense business. And I was, but it was merchandising. So I could still have some, um, involvement in the creativity process and the creative process. Mm -hmm. So we would, we would give numbers, give sales, and then that would sort of inform the creative process for future products. Uh, and that was a, a hugely important moment in my life where I learned a ton. It was very hard. It was very intense. Uh, and I quickly realized the corporate life may not be for me. Uh, but I at least had that training and sort of that experience to, to understand that is not the path I wanted to go down. Um, and then around at, at the same time, I had my own side hustle. This was before side hustles were a thing. It was sort of a hobby and I was making skirts. So I, I, my mom taught me how to sew, uh, when I was home for a summer break once in college and I was taking interior design fabric and making them into skirts. And I got on daily candy, wow. which I, now I'm really aging myself here. <laughs> but I daily, remember daily okay, candy. Good, so. good, yeah. Yeah. For, for those who have, have, have not experienced it. Daily Candy, I think was one of the most amazing newsletters and just the latest, the coolest things happening. And so I got on Daily Candy. It was so good. It was so good. Like somebody needs to bring that back. Maybe that'll be my next entrepreneurship gig. So yeah, so I I was on that and, and it was a direct to consumer online business in 2002 where I was not holding inventory. So I only made products as orders Mm -hmm. came through. So it was, you know, sort of innovative for the time, but it was definitely a, a side hustle. I had a seamstress, but, um, I, I kept my day job, you know, my, my parents were, 
<laughs> made sure that I, I, I still had a, an income coming in. But what was the brand called? Did she have a name? For so it was, it it was my my name. It was called Allison Ann. So that's my, my first name and middle name. So mm. not as innovative as my, my naming for Array. But uh, yeah, so I, I did that on the side. And that actually led me to I was I met Andy Dunn from Bonobos. Uh, and he was just starting his pants business out of Stanford. And he's the one who was like, you, you know, you really should think about going to business school. Um, and that prompted me to, to go to business school. So it was, it helped me on this entrepreneurship path by doing, mm-hmm. uh, my, my side, side hustle. And when you mentioned, you realized, you know, working at coach, which was a great school, but you realized corporate world wasn't necessarily for you. Was it kind of clear from there that you wanted to run your own business or was it more about working a different type of culture? Like what, what was it that was really a triggering factor for you? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I think it was just that, um, it took a very long time to get things done in the corporate world. And I'm a very mm, fast right. worker. I'm, I just speed, I think is one of my strong suits. It, it can be a detriment too. So you gotta, you gotta catch yourself if you go too fast. But uh, I really was frustrated by the meetings about meetings, you know, and it, and, mm-hmm. um, but don't get me wrong. I mean, this, this company went from a billion dollars in revenue to 2 billion in the time I was there in a, in like yeah. three years, it was incredible. I mean, this, this company was, truly a, a remarkable did, did something me, right but yeah yeah clearly did, doing something very right uh but it was it, for me it was just it wasn't right and so i think mm-hmm. you know doing my own side hustle in a way that was not risky because i had a job and so it was something that mm-hmm. was fun and you know interesting and something i could sort of play with and there wasn't a lot of pressure for it um that made it really exciting and then to learn that okay you know I say I'm air quoting, you know, learn entrepreneurship. It's it's hard to learn entrepreneurship at school and and but of all schools to learn it at Stanford is is a good one. But um you do have to sort of learn by doing. And so I felt like I had a taste of it. Mm-hmm. And then to go to school to really understand more of about entrepreneurship and you know the funding environment, how to raise money and how to, you know, create something successful. Um that was like an added layer to the to the entrepreneurship journey, but it was, right. you know, I think you can also learn that by doing it. You don't have to go to school to learn entrepreneurship. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, and that, that was your path. Um, so we know the original idea for Array came to you when you were five years old, looking mm-hmm. at your mom's hair turning gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, but tell me about the kind of the more recent, uh, yeah. you know, a, a trigger or when, when that idea kind of became, you know, that when it started looking like it could be a business for you and you wanted to walk down that path and see what was there. Yeah. So it was a personal problem, right? So I, I saw my first gray hair. I went to my hairstylist, who's my business partner. His name's Jay Small. Um, and, you know, I, I sort of had a panic attack, right? Because I, I knew my mom went gray, you know, in her, her late 20s. And so right. I was like, what do I do about it? I want to get on top mm-hmm. of it. I want to be proactive about it. I use wrinkle cream for my wrinkles. I use sunscreen for sunspots. I'm exercising. I'm doing all the things to sort of make aging, uh, you know, a as, as comfortable and as, uh, you know, nice of a process as possible. And he was like, I, you know, that doesn't exist. You, you have to wait until it's gray enough and then you dye your hair, but wait as long as you can. Yeah. You cover it up. It's a reactive process. And I, I was frustrated by that. And I wanted to understand 
you know, what causes gray hairs really? Cause I assumed it was going to be mostly genetics, right? But we found out there's only mm-hmm. one, one gene that causes gray hair and it accounts for 30%. So there were all these other lifestyle and diet factors that weren't really being addressed. Um, and so th- that prompted us to, okay, look, we need to look further into this. And then sort of simultaneously, my dad, um, I came across this NIH article from 2019 linking increased risk of cancer from mostly at-home hair dye um, use and the, to- the toxins in mm. hair dye. So I was like, oh man, this this is an interesting moment. And my dad, who is a doctor, a pharmaceutical consultant, non-risky, does not, <laughs> very risk averse, uh, he said to me, I think you're onto something. I think this is a, a really good idea. I think people are going to start questioning the, the products they're using on their hair. And the fact that the genetics is not the only story here, mm-hmm. you know, there's something. So that really prompted and gave me a little bit more confidence, right? If my dad thought, thought this was something worth pursuing. Um, and so we did, we started pursuing it and the, the name came up. So it was funny because I was trying to think of a name and I kept coming back to like, okay, is there some sort of a French word we could use here that would be and I don't know why I don't even speak French. I should probably learn it, but I, I don't speak French, but I was like, I think there, there's gotta be some word. And I was thinking of stop because I was like, you know, we mm-hmm. can't say stop. That's a really, that's a hard claim to make, but maybe we can allude yeah. to this stop of gray. And so I Googled mm-hmm. how do you, how, what, what is stop in French? And I'm not going to say it because I'm going to butcher it, but you know, the T I think the T is silent. And so it kind of sounds like array. Um, okay. and, Yes. Right. Yep. See, I, it's beautiful. I could never make it sound that good. Um, <laughs> and then I and it, I distinctly remember this. I was googling it like ten thirty at night before I was about to go to sleep, and I was like, "Oh my god, that rhymes with gray! Like this is the name." And so exactly. I was I, but to my so Jay um, is my business partner. His wife uh, does is in charge of all of our creative. She, to her credit, was like, "Okay." you can't name a brand though with a T at the end, if it's an English brand, because people are going to call, call it with the T. And so she, she suggested, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So she suggested the A-R-E-Y, but we do get Ari a lot. And I'm like, no, no, it's, it's not Ari. It's Ari. Great. It runs. So. Well, and it's, it, it's funny because I, I mean, I found out that that was the name, but I just, I, to me, it was the association with gray that first came to mind. And of course it makes sense once you know the, the, the word uh, uh, that you chose behind it in French. Um, yeah. So what still kind of baffles my mind is how is it that we're in 2022 and we are, mm-hmm. you know, obsessed with all things anti-aging and optimizing our health and wellness and wellness is such a powerful trend now. And it's been for a few years, but we still haven't addressed, you know, our hair getting gray and especially where women are are concerned. Uh, And God knows there is a big industry for hair care and different types of hair products addressing, you know, all kinds of challenges, but not for gray hair. So why, why do you think there was such a gap in the market and and in medical research? I know. I do think it's interesting. I, I, so the scientific world hasn't taken gray hair very seriously. They, they call it a vanity project mostly. And I, and it's fascinating because there's so much research and studies done on hair loss. And I think, you know, hair loss affects men more dramatically than women and the scientific community and clinical studies are mostly run by men. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. connect the dots that, that is why I think there's more studies done on hair loss. 
But for gray hair, which by the way, we do sell to men and women. So men don't like to go gray either, but it is societally more acceptable for men to have a little bit of gray. It looks more distinguished. It's sort of salt and pepper is like nice looking, but for women it, it isn't. And I think because hair dye, it's, it's an effective solution. It covers it up, Mm -hmm. uh, but it also damages your hair and could potentially be toxic. So I, I think now we're going to be questioning that just like we are questioning deodorants mm-hmm. and skincare products and organic foods mm-hmm. and the things we put in our body. I, I think this is the next big thing. Um, and it just doesn't, it doesn't exist to, to make a non-toxic hair dye yet. Um, and so, uh, but I also think that the solution that we're providing is something that you do have to do proactively and not everybody is a proactive right person, right? So yeah. this has to be something yeah. that you want to get on top of early, zero to 30% gray, like you have to do the early stages. And this is not something that can be like hair dye, 100% get rid of your gray hair, right? We can repigment, we can slow right. the process. It's it's a more subtle way of dealing with gray hair. But to me, I think that's a more desirable way of controlling it, right? And, and you have some mm-hmm. a control. And I hope that gray hair on women does become a little bit more societally acceptable. It, I just went yeah. out to lunch yesterday uh, at this very fancy hotel in Los Angeles, and there were four women there sporting their gray hair, and it looked amazing. I was so excited to see mm-hmm. that, and I think that's changing. I think since COVID, people are, you know, they weren't able to go to the hairdresser for a very long time. Uh, we're on yeah. Zooms, constantly staring at ourselves. Uh, but people are now, I, I think being okay with it more. And so I, we're excited about that. We're not anti-gray. We're not here to, to say gray hair is not good. Exactly. We, we yeah. want it to be yeah. an acceptable thing. So, yeah. Um, well, and I want to talk about, you know, the, the research and, you know, what went into designing, developing your products basically. Yeah. But um, you mentioned women going gray and I don't know if you follow this whole controversy mm-hmm. because it, it happened in Canada, but I know it got yeah. coverage uh, across the world in the U.S. as well. We have a very famous news anchor called Lisa Laflamme, who, as yeah. you you were just describing during COVID, was recording from at home studio and didn't have, you know, right. access to her, her hairstylist on, on a daily basis. So she figured she would should start going gray. And months later, um, she basically got fired from her job. And the the you know the behind the scenes stories that came up made reference to comments that had been made by executives at the the media company where she was hired, and you know saying that a specific executive had you know had said that gray hair was unacceptable on a on a news anchor uh, in Canada. Right. So, um, and and now there's so much support. So many women have come out, you know, saying that. It, that's completely unacceptable and men go gray and we accept it yeah. and it's even seen as a sign of maturity and respect uh-huh. and expertise but a woman yeah. should still look you know young and sexy for as long as possible if she's on yeah. air especially yeah. it's a double standard and i think a lot of women listen i'm not saying like everybody should have the choice to look at however they want to you know what i mean and have confidence yeah. like if if you feel more mm-hmm. confident by not having gray hair great then that's what you should do. It's like, it's like we just need mm-hmm. to be able to have control over that. And it, it does feel a little bit like yeah. in society, we don't have that control. There, there's so much pressure. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I think there is a, a thing too where, you know, we, we 
can go gray at a certain age, but it's it can also happen very early on, which oh, I think yeah. generally we we we'd want to avoid, even if gray can look beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yep. But anyway, um, and and not everybody feels comfortable or looks you know as 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 well with uh, as good with with gray hair. But I mean, yep. ultimately, it's a it's a personal choice, personal, of course. Yeah. Um, but I want to ask about so you know you came up with the idea and there was uh, kind of strong support at least from your dad. Yeah. Um, what was the feedback like when you started you know doing more research, talking to uh, I'm assuming you know people that could be potential suppliers or partners, yeah. and kind of figuring out what you would need to make that product yeah. um what was the feedback and what was that journey like for you yeah it was so interesting so we we were very lucky because jay had this clientele that he could reach out to on the customer side so we wanted to make sure you know it i i was excited about the product but there needed to be more than just one person who would buy this product right so he he asked his male and female clients you know if, if we started with a supplement so if we created this supplement would you want to take it you know, do you want to have more control over your, your gray hair? And it, it was like, yes, sign me up. When can I start taking that pill? So we were able to do a consumer study with his clientele to, to you know make sure it works. But to your question of creating it, you got to create that product first, right? And so we were very lucky. And I think this is something to be said about starting. I, I'm 41, so I started this company when I was 39, um, and so I had had some experience. I had some. Um, network under my belt. And we were able to work with one of the top supplement manufacturers in the U.S. through a connection. They would never normally take on a startup ever. Uh, but they were, I knew somebody who connected us and then I told them the concept and they were very intrigued by it. Like I said, there's nothing that really existed in this market. We had a, a you know, this medical and scientific advisory team behind us. So it's not like we just came out of nowhere. Um, and they, they supported us from the beginning, which was amazing to have that. And we were able to put in a small PO. I put per, my personal money into it to start. It. it was not a lot of capital to, to start. And then when we created the topical product, sort of same theme. I had had, I worked in beauty before, so I had connections to a manufacturer. It's the top green manufacturer in Northern California. Doesn't really work with startups, but uh, the, the man who's in charge of the whole business was like, I have been waiting for 10 years for somebody to do this concept. Like this is, <laughs> this needs to exist. And so he believed yeah. in it and could support it. And that was really mm -hmm. with every single person that has been involved in this journey is like, it's like a light bulb that goes over like how has this never existed before yeah, um exactly yeah so we were very lucky to to have folks that we could so we could start with them we can also scale with them because they're they're bigger companies that that were able to take us on this season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Women in Enterprise, and they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. 
And so I think it's it's uh, fair to highlight the product today is it's part supplements. And if you're doing a full routine, really, you should be yeah. using both, right? There's a supplement yeah. and then there's a hair serum that yeah. you apply uh, directly on hair. Exactly. And we, we launched a shampoo and conditioner too. Oh, ooh, that's exciting. And then we have a UV protectant spray because oxidative stress is a big contributor to gray hair from uh, UV, right? So like it doesn't just affect your skin, it affects your scalp and your mm-hmm. hair. And so we, we're protecting the scalp and the hair. But um, And then we, we have two new products coming out soon as well. But the idea is uh, the, the clinically efficacious peptide and the antioxidant uh, combination is in all the ingredients, not the conditioners. The conditioners are addressing the coarseness and dryness of, of aging hair. But we are trying to create a suite of products that are both style and science together and that people can use based on mm-hmm. their lifestyle. So not everybody, you know, uses, wants to use a serum, right? Maybe they they don't, it's like part of their routine that they don't yet want to integrate, even though it's very lightweight, there's no fragrance. You can use it up to four times before washing your hair. But, uh, we, but then we say, use the shampoo. You know, it's just, we want to be able to fit into people's lifestyles where it doesn't feel like a chore. It doesn't feel like, um, you know, too hard of something to add to their routines. And, but also, I also think that hair care will be like skincare where there are going to be these multi-step routines. It's just so interesting that we, we cleanse, we tone, we um, use eye cream, we use skin, you know, it's all these different steps that I think that is also going to be the future of hair care as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that that makes uh, perfect sense. And so, you know, going into launching the the product, uh, working with the, the the great manufacturers you were able to connect with, um, what was it like, kind of bringing the product to market? And what's one thing that maybe you hadn't planned for? Something that came you and usually there's always a few of those moments when we start a, a new business. So, what was something that you wish? you had known before or, you know, something that kind of came from the left field and was completely unexpected as you launched uh, the, the the product the first time? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. Um, it it was very exciting, I have to say. It always takes longer than you think it does, even though we've only been around for yeah. a year and a half and we've grown pretty, pretty quickly and things have gone really well, knock on wood. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, you always want things to be like so fast, so quick and like so great all the time. Right. But we are also creating a new category. We're creating a a new way of looking at aging hair. And so that takes time and it takes education and people are skeptical, which I totally understand. I, I was too, when I first started researching this, I thought for sure it was, you know, caused by genetics and there was no way you could control this. And so I think it's our responsibility and our job to do uh, a a good job at educating and explaining And also not over-promising and under-delivering. We want to make sure people understand mm-hmm. what they can expect. It, t- it also takes, you know, two to three months to start seeing results. So people have to know that it, it takes some investment on their behalf um, and time. And, uh, yeah, but there wasn't any sort of, like, disaster moments. Or, you know, people always ask, like, oh, do you have supply chain issues or, like, iOS changes? Yeah. Like, so, so many things were happening. But we launched in 2021. So we we launched with those things already in existence. We don't know a world before right. that, uh, which might be a, mm-hmm. a lucky thing where we, you know, lead times are four months. And we know that. And we, we sort of plan for that. Um, but, yeah, it, it, I think it, it 
for us, it's like, we just need to make sure we do a good job of educating the public and, and yeah. explaining the science behind it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As a business owner, uh, you know, if a founder, what would you say is your measure of success or your definition of success today? And I'm always interested in asking that both for, for you know, the business from a professional standpoint, yeah. but also success from a personal standpoint. What does that that's, look like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think from a business perspective, of course, there's the you know revenue numbers and our subscription rates and retention. But the biggest thing for me is when I see customer reviews come in because we will only exist if we make good products and these have to, you know, it doesn't Mm -hmm. work on everybody, but it works on the majority of people. And when I see somebody come through, we just had a review come in today where somebody said, these products are amazing. And I stopped using them and I got gray hair, like it rapidly came back. And so it's so fun to see that where I was like, Oh my gosh, this, you know, we know it works. We, we believe in it, but just to make, to have other people see that it works and believe in it and, and like get so excited about how their hair looks. We had this one woman on social who said, she's like, I'm aging in reverse. Like, this is crazy how my hair, how good my hair looks. And so that just, that is what I live for. That what is what keeps me going Mm -hmm. and gets me up in the morning. It's so fun to, to do that and create something that, that resonates with people and brings confidence. And then on a personal side, I would say, you know, I have two children, I have two girls that are five and eight, and they've seen this whole journey with me. And, um, it's just a a really fun thing to do. My eight-year-old said she Googled me at school and goes, mom, I Googled you and your website came up you're famous. And I was like, well, let's calm down. That's not, that's not the definition of famous, but that's really cute. And she was so excited. And she goes, my teacher is a guy, my teacher, he wants to buy the products. He went and then, and he's going to buy the products. And so it was very cute to see her excited about gray hair, which, you know, she's very far from from that. Um, But yeah, I think just, she's your, she's your first sales rep or one one of your first sales rep for in the education sector. Oh my God. You joke about that, but I actually, I used to package everything and ship it out in the beginning from my garage. I mean, you got to start somewhere. And my five-year-old, she was, three at the time she looked at me and and she goes I don't want this to be my job mama and I was like, oh, no. I'm, like this is not, I'm not gonna make you package these you're too you're too small to do that but that, she was like watching me do it and she thought I was gonna ask her to help with it <laughs> she was seeing her whole career yeah. you yes. know yes. Uh, ahead, of, yeah. ahead of herself I was like don't Family worry business. you'll be able to choose your own path <laughs> That's funny. Um, and it's what you bring up is interesting too, because often we ask, you know, and, and especially during the pandemic, I think that was a conversation a lot of people were having. How can we support women entrepreneurs better? Leaving a Google review or a positive review on a company's mm. website is yes. the best thing you can do for a business, right? Yes. We, yes. we tend to forget. And I'm, I'm the one, I'm very quick to leave a bad review when something's yes. gone horribly wrong, because I yes. know that's, probably the only way to make the company react yeah. uh, and fix it, hopefully. Yeah. But we, you know, we have to do it for positive experiences. And when we like a product, that's such a good reminder. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And telling people about it. I think that word of mouth mm-hmm. is so 
valuable and so important and people telling their hairstylists about this, right? So then the hairstylist can tell other people, we have an affiliate program with hairstylists and those are our evangelists. Those are the, the experts on hair. And right now it's a conversation. It's, you know, you, you might not go up to your best friend and say like, Oh, you're getting some gray hair. Like you might want to do something about that, but your hairstylist Mm -hmm. will tell you that, you know, like that's who you you speak to. to. Yeah. Yeah, You have conversations with so. That's that's a very good point. So are you someone who makes decisions based on enormous amounts of data and you're very logical about things or is it more of an intuitive process or maybe a mix of both? Yeah, I think it's definitely a combination. It's back to this right brain, left brain where, you know, my training, a lot of my schooling is in numbers and analytics and we built the business with that totally in mind. We you know, unit economics was extremely important and getting to profitability very quickly was very important, especially as a D to C brand, you have to, you have to do that now. Um, but it was also this intuitive process where, you know, people like skeptical, this can't really work. Why has nobody ever done this before? Um, you know, if you're creating something that's not a hundred percent going to get rid of gray hair or hundred percent reverse gray hair, why would you do it? And I just kept saying like, no, is if this is something that I would take and, and take and want to have exist in the world, I have to do this. And somebody gave me the really good advice. If you're thinking about starting something, if you went to bed tonight and you woke up the next day and somebody had created that business, would you be completely devastated. And that was this business. Mm-hmm. I was like, if somebody else did this, I would just be so mad at myself that I didn't do it. Um, and I think that's just mm-hmm. a great measure to ask yourself if it's worth leaving your corporate job, do you know, going out of your comfort zone, doing something else. It's this like intuitive, um, like thing that you kind of just, you just kind of know whether you should do it or not. But, and, and a lot of, um, mm-hmm. how we built this is, with Jay and his wife, Amy, it's the three of us. We use a lot of the intuition and a lot of our, um, you know, we create things based on much experience, right? (laughs) A lot of experience. So I think that's another thing is like, it comes with a lot of knowledge and um, working with things that maybe didn't work in the past or did work in the past. And all those experiences add up and maybe aren't, you know, I guess they are kind of data points, right? That then help you get to decisions. Um, mm. Yeah, so very long-winded way of saying it. I think it's a combination. <laughs> uh, what's the next big milestone that you're working towards and something that you think is going to be really the, you know, the next big chapter in your growth? So well, we're about to announce our seed raise um, next week. I think the announcement will go out. And so that's been a very long process of, you know, me deciding whether to take money or not. I think this is, mm-hmm. is not for everybody. It's, it's not the right decision for all companies. Um, but for us, it, it was really important that we have the capital and the ability to continue to work on R and D and clinical studies and the science and the research. We want to be the brand that, you know, we have com- competitors coming in and, and we want to make sure that, you know, we're on top of it. We were with the latest ingredients, the best science, um, and hiring. We're a very small team. So to be able to hire and then distribution to go beyond online into brick and mortar. And, um, and so, yeah, we're really excited for that announcement. It'll give us uh, a lot of flexibility to scale quickly because we, you know, we do want to scale this. It's a big potential 
industry, 74% of people will be experiencing gray between 45 and 65. So a lot of us are going gray. Um, and yeah, so there, there's yeah. huge potential. Yeah. And what was that experience of, you know, raising, uh, for, you know, for, for, for your first seed round, what was that yeah. like? And, and what was the feedback? And I can only imagine, and it's interesting because your product targets as much, you know, men as yeah. women, uh, and typically in, in beauty skincare, uh, you know, so it's a, it's a very female focused, uh, industry, but yeah. you, you have the luxury of, you know, everyone going gray at, at yes. some point. Um, but I'm curious to know what that experience was like and, you know, did you learn anything through that process that you think you can apply in the future? Yeah, it was a, you know, it is a long process. It's all about connections, um, right? I had been building this career for a very long time. So I sort of knew some of the players to, to speak with. But even with my experience of going to business school, having this network, having work experience, I talked to over 100 investors. So it's it's mm. not like you just go to one person and you're like, great, give me money. Here we go. Um, it, it's a, And you want to find the right partner too. You want to work with right. somebody who believes in what you're doing, is excited about it, can support you, can help you, can give you connections. And, um, you know, we, we Female Founders Fund is our leader, is leading the round. And Anu is, you know, was a customer. And so she personally experienced this and, and was excited about it. Um, and then Graycroft is the other fund that has, has come in and they're just, they've been an amazing partner. We're so excited to work with them. They are very well respected in this, in this mm. field of VC. So, and then we have great angels who are, you know, CEOs of beauty brands um, and can be helpful in the strategic operating side of things and our small checks, but really helpful to us. Um, mm. And so I would just say like for, other people experiencing this, it's, you know, there was times where I was like, I'm not even going to raise money. This is too frustrating. This is taking too long, taking me away from my business. I, I really want to be running my business, but it, it, it worked out. It's worth it in the end. If it's right for growing your brand, um, and your business, mm -hmm. which, mm -hmm. you know, those things kind of have to all line up, but, um, and we're excited for the, to be able to do this next chapter with that flexibility of having the capital. And what would be your advice to a, a new entrepreneur in, you know, beauty, wellness or, or, mm -hmm. or connected industry uh, they're just starting out with a product idea where, you know, what would, would your tips be for them? Yeah. So I think a lot of what, um, what everybody was excited about when talking about us was that we did have great numbers to show. So we could show there was product market mm -hmm. fit. We were growing the business. It's mostly subscription. So there's, you know, recurring revenue, we have good margins. And so it was like a good foundation of a business. Um, I think it's pretty hard. It's, it's possible to raise money with, you know, before having something launch, you know, you, you can raise money on an idea, but in the consumer D to C world now, that is pretty hard to do. So you, you do have to show, um, you know, something you have to show some numbers and th that also helps you in having a higher valuation too, as a founder. So you're not diluting yourself as much. Um, but I, and I, as I mentioned, you know, I put in some of my own capital. It was really not a lot. It's, you know, it wasn't, I, I've heard some founders give the advice of like, you know, cash in your 401k, put all your savings towards something if you believe in something. And I just, I, I cringe when I hear that advice because yeah, not everybody that, that's really risky and not everybody has the flexibility and yeah. the ability to do that. Um, and so, you know, what I did was I was, I, I was 
working for other people for a long time and, and putting some money aside to be able to, to do this. Um, and then we raised a friends and family round well, as well as it's like 400,000. Um, and that helped too. And that's just people believing in you, right? That, so you have to build out your network, um, connect with the right players, know who you're talking to in the investor space. Don't waste your time talking to people who are later stage investors in tech, you know, right? Like you gotta, you gotta know who you're Mm -hmm. talking to, to make it, expedited and worth everybody's research. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep. And what kind of kind of, what kind of support system and and community and, you know, network did you, did you find you had to have around you and maybe it was already there, it was already built. um, But what kind of, what kind of community do you think you, you know, as, as an entrepreneur, you need to rely on? Yeah. So a lot of um, my first initial friends and family round was, people I went to business school with. And I have this group of women that we meet every month from the GSB from Stanford, um, all different years, but every single one of them invested in the company, which was, which was just so amazing. And, um, I was very honored to, to have that. Um, but it was, you know, that's a, it's a nurtured community that I've been meeting with for six years. Right. So it's these, these folks know me, they, they believed in me. Um, and then it's, you know, having the ability to go out there, it's really sometimes hard to put yourself out there and, and tell people that you're doing something and that you do need help. Um, and whether that's money help or connections help or, you know, Mm -hmm. advice, um, it's, it's, it's sort, it's a scary thing to do, but you do have to put yourself out there because you don't, you don't know unless you ask. I'm a big believer in nobody just hands you something. Nobody just gives you something. You have mm-hmm. to ask for it. Um, and you're not worse off before than you were. If the answer is no, it was no before. So you might as well ask and and, ha- and have that knowledge. Um, you might get then, a yes. Right. Exactly. Like, uh, and, you know, having a co-founder was very helpful too, because, you know, Jay had his, his network as well. And um, I think it's, it's a really nice thing to have that support system of, a co-founder, um, and then a team of people who have your back and, and believe in this concept and are willing to sacrifice for it. I mean, we didn't pay ourselves for the first two years of this business. So, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into it for sure. Right. That's, that's very good advice. And, um, my favorite thing to ask women on the show, it's what is one thing you wish women would do more of and one thing you wish they would do less of, and it can have, you know, something to do with business or it can be something completely unrelated. Oh my gosh. That's so good. And I like hate, I it's like, it's not like I'm some expert here, so I, I don't really, I feel bad giving this advice as if I know everything, but no, I, I think to my previous point, I think, um, asking for things, you know, I'm, I have a Mm -hmm. a woman named Maddie, who's our director of ops. And I was saying her to her the other day, I was like, if if you've learned anything from me, I hope it's that you negotiate, like just ask for things and try. And she's like, no, I think I, I, I think she is benefiting from that, but you, you have to ask for stuff, um, and don't, I mean, it, I get it where sometimes it feels like it's not a position of power if you're asking for something. But I think mm-hmm. if you go into something with confidence and you have knowledge and you have research and you know what you're asking for and you know who you're asking and it's yeah. not an unreasonable thing, ask for it. And then exactly. do, 
do less of. I mean, I'm so guilty of this, but like saying you're sorry for things. I mean, you, it, there's a time and a place mm-hmm. to say you're sorry for <laughs> sure. And it's a very powerful thing. Um, especially with my children when I admit to them when I've done something wrong. Uh, but you, you know, we're, we're women tend to be, and I not, don't want to make a mass generalization, but apologize for things. Whereas men are less mm-hmm. likely to do that. Um, Mm-hmm. And we don't need to do that. We we shouldn't be sorry for for asking for something, right? Like you don't need to apologize after asking for something. It's a totally reasonable thing to do. Yeah, and I, but I, and you're right. I think we've it's kind of culturally we've been brought up that way, right? It's yeah. it's almost like ooh, we got to be nice, and if yeah. we're too forceful, then we have to apologize for it. Yeah. Um, and it's it takes a lot of work to overcome. Um, but I and I agree, uh, and I think that's great advice. Is the answer is going to be no if you're not asking the question, exactly. right? So exactly. we got to dare and knock on, on doors. And, you know, I think that's something that all entrepreneurs learn relatively quickly. And it's not always easy to put into practice, but that's a yeah. really good tip. Yeah. Well, excited to see the the what's everything that's going to come up uh, for you with array and the new yeah. products uh, and what one thing and if uh, i'll have to put in my customer review but um we have a mutual friend who introduced me to the brand yeah. and uh, she uh, she mentioned to I, I actually her her sales pitch to me was it's you know it, it it's it helps with preventing gray hair but it also um really makes your hair healthier overall yes. so in terms yes. of you know volume and just yep. you know texture um yep. so that's when I was sold <laughs> yeah so yeah we're our tagline is we're the wrinkle cream of hair care and so that's just it's all signs of aging hair so thicker fuller glossier, more vibrant hair. It's, it's just healthier in general. Um, we're leading with gray because that was my personal Mm -hmm. problem and the, and sort of a need in the market, but this really does help with all those factors of aging hair, which is, is really exciting. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much for tackling this problem. I'm glad we have a solution now for healthier hair and, and, you know, slowing down aging of our hair. So thank you for that. And let's stay in touch. And thank you so much for making time today. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was great to talk to you. My pleasure. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you to TD Women in Enterprise for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support, Claire Miglionico. Yeah.